Hello, and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 67. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I hope that you have all survived the little hiatus, the little vacation, if you will, from the podcast. There, of course, was no episode, no new episode last week. I took a little trip, a little unplanned trip. No beaches or margaritas or dancing till dawn for me, however. Uh, It was more like uh, emergency room visits, pain meds, and hospital stays. But I'm doing much better now. Kind of messed up production on the podcast last week. But uh, I'm back at it. And, you know, what can I say? It is good to have health care. And those of you who have it, um, I hope you appreciate it. Uh, Because there are a lot of us who don't. So, moving right along, what's been going on in the news since we were here last? Dynamite Entertainment has teamed up with Atari to produce a Centipede comic, uh, which I believe debuts in July. So I'm intrigued to see what this is. Um, I wonder if it will tie in at all to the rumored, at this point I'm just calling it a rumor, uh, since it's been more than a year without uh, you know, with really no news. You know, if this is any sort of a tie-in with the uh, purported Centipede movie that we're supposed to be getting uh, at some point. Um, I don't know if it's connected or not. Uh, I'd be curious to know, and, and I'm kind of curious to see what this comic looks like. Uh, of course, Dynamite Entertainment, uh, before that, is debuting a Sword Quest comic. Um, more about that coming up uh, later in this episode. A lot more, as a matter of fact. So, you know, it's kind of nice to see uh, Atari sort of quietly moving into the mainstream again. Uh, comics, of course, are huge these days. So, uh, so I'm intrigued. I think I've used that word about five times now. This episode sponsored by Intrigue. Uh, let's see what else is going on. This caught my eye. It was a little weird. Groundhog Day, the classic uh, 90s Bill Murray movie. Uh, he's the weatherman who goes to uh, uh, Punxsutawney, uh, PA, to cover uh, uh, the Groundhog Day uh, festivities, the, uh, the uh, Punxsutawney Phil seeing a shadow and all that, and he ends up reliving the same day over and over and over again. Uh, classic movie. If you haven't seen it, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? Because this movie is just about perfect. Go see it. Uh, but that movie is now a Broadway musical. Yep, that's right. Sadly, I don't think Bill Murray is starring in it, but nonetheless, it's it's a thing that exists now. I don't know if the link is still there. Well, actually, I do know because I just pulled it up on my phone. Uh, NPR, when I first saw this back uh, April 17th, as I said, I'm a little uh, off on my production schedule, so this was actually supposed to be in the news uh, for the podcast last week, but they were offering, and apparently still are offering, the ability to stream the cast recording of the uh, soundtrack for the musical uh, in its entirety. 1993 film Groundhog Day made uh, Ned Ryerson, played by Stephen Tobolowsky, only one of the uh, many annoyances that crosses the path of Phil Connors, a dystopic, dyspeptic, rather, weatherman forced to live the same day over and over. I'm reading from the NPR article, by the way. The music and lyrics for Groundhog Day, the Broadway show come from Tony Minchin, who did the same for the highly successful Matilda the Musical, and the show was written by Danny Rubin, who wrote the screenplay for the film with director Harold Ramis. 
Uh, so that's comforting, at least. Um, sadly, I don't think I, I think I said this already. Bill Murray does not uh, star in the stage adaptation. But you know, I, I wish the production well. Stepping into the role of Phil Connors is Andy Carl, who has been in Rocky and Jersey Boys, and ended a run on Law and Order SVU not too long ago. Uh, this article says that he plays Phil. Uh, he plays Phil's initial realization of his predicament with less tamped-down confusion and more frantic paranoia than uh, Murray did, despite close similarities between the scripts. It's a, highly f- it's a delightfully physical performance, a fact that was regrettably brought home during a Broadway preview on April 14th when Carl heard his leg jumping over somebody and finished the night using a cane. You know, the fact that it's more uh, physical and he, he plays it more frantic rather than sort of you know, underplayed confusion, I think is probably just a consequence of being on stage, right? Stage theatrics are always bigger than film theatrics, right? Because uh, it has to be, because you gotta you gotta play to the back of the uh, back of the house. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm skeptical, but I'm an open-minded skeptic uh, as to whether this is a good thing or not. If any of you are in New York and get a chance to see this thing, uh, let us know what you think. In other revival news, The X-Files is coming back. Uh, As you know, if you're an X-Files fan, or even if you're not, uh, but if you you pay attention to TV, uh, last year, uh, January, I believe, 2016, we were treated to a six-episode revival of the TV series. The revival got, frankly, kind of mixed reviews. Some of the episodes, a couple of the episodes were, were really, really very good. And a couple of them were just okay. A couple of them, honestly, were not all that good. They stumbled a little bit uh, trying to blow the dust off the X-Files franchise. But there was enough there that was promising to, uh, to make me excited for them to come back and not just because they left a massive cliffhanger at the end of the six episodes without knowing for sure if or when they were going to come back. But now they are. And this time they're going to have a 10-episode season coming up starting in the fall sometime. So I'm, I'm excited again. I'm open-minded. Uh, I think maybe they got some of the uh, jitters out of their system with the six-episode run last year. And, you know, they kind of had a chance to think about what worked, what didn't work so well. And, uh, and this should be good. So watch for that. Um, speaking of comebacks, Doctor Who's back. As I record this, we've had three episodes of the new season so far. Uh, I'm liking it. I hate to see Peter Capaldi go. You know, we're on the countdown now uh, to the end of his run as the Doctor. Uh, Pearl Mackey's great, though. So, you know, TV life is pretty good right now. All right. So that's enough news for this week. Moving on to this week's game. This week's game is Sword Quest from Atari 1982. And stay tuned after I talk about the game a little bit because we have another edition of our... I can officially call it now a recurring segment because we've done it two times now. Um, Conversation Bites. You're going to get to hear my conversation with Chris Sims and Chad Bowers. They are the writers of the new Sword Quest comic, the preview issue zero of which uh, just came out May 3rd at the huge price of 25 cents. If you haven't checked this thing out already, you need to. I've gotten to see it. It's a lot of fun. And... You know, what the hell? It only costs you a quarter. And then uh, the regular monthly issues of the comic uh, uh, start coming out in June. Um, But we'll talk more about that uh, with the guys here in a little bit. Sword Quest the Game 
it's kind of a legend in Atari's history, which already has many legends. I'll be honest, I don't remember Sword Quest being a thing in my life. Uh, when I was a kid playing Atari, I never played any of the Sword Quest games. But Sword Quest was sort of an event. There were supposed to be four games in the series. It was a like a sword and sorcery kind of adventure series. The first game was Sword Quest Earthworld. The second game was Sword Quest Fireworld. And then Waterworld. And then the fourth game was supposed to be called Airworld. But right about that time, the the uh, video game crash happened, and they never finished the series. There never was a fourth game. Each game came bundled with a comic that sort of flushed out the story of what was going on in the game, which basically is what we do here at Atari Bytes. Uh, so there was never a fourth comic either. So the adventure got... Uh, the game series never got finished. The comic series never got finished. And on top of all that, the contest that Atari was running never got finished. Each game had clues hidden in it to various puzzles, and kids could write in, like, actual letters to Atari with their their guesses about these puzzles, and then the winners would get various things. And then all of that was supposed to lead up to, after the four games, uh, you know, the winners of those various contests competing in sort of an uh, ultimate competition to win honest to God, a thing called the the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery. It was an actual jewel-encrusted sword, and then there were a bunch of cash prizes and things, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, apparently, worth of prizes Atari was trying to give away. And they gave away some stuff, but they never gave away that sword, because they never finished the contest. It's just a really remarkable story. We'll get into that a little bit more. We'll talk to the, uh, the guys a little bit about that. But the game, I guess, for this week is... Sword Quest Earthworld. The first game of the series was came out in 1982, and the manual starts like this. Warning! All you who enter Earthworld will encounter danger, trials, tests, and obstacles. All will have an equal chance to decipher the hidden message. Welcome to Earthworld. This is the first in a series of four worlds that you must pass through in your quest to, for the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery. As you explore Earthworld, you will traverse 12 rooms each named after a sign of the Zodiac. You will encounter dangers, uh, dangers such as the horns of a charging Taurus bull, and you will be called upon to demonstrate your skills and ingenuity. A variety of magical objects will assist you in the challenging journey ahead. These are strewn about the various Zodiac chambers. Carrying certain objects along with you helps with gameplay. For example, the lamp allows you to see the charging horns in the dark bull pit of Taurus. By leaving the right combination of objects in the right zodiac chamber, you'll discover illuminating clues. These clues may refer back to the enclosed comic book and hint at the solution to the Earthworld puzzle. Refer to the next world in the Sword Quest series, Fireworld. Help you solve the final puzzle of all four Sword Quest cartridges combined. Be off with you. Earthworld awaits your careful exploration. Gameplay. As the explorer and clue seeker in the subterranean landscape represented in this game cartridge, your objective is to find the hidden clues and solve the puzzle. In Earthworld are 12 special rooms, each bearing a sign of the zodiac on its wall. Traverse the 12 rooms and select magic objects. You can take six objects at a time. Then as you leave the right objects in the appropriate rooms, you'll receive clues that will help you solve the puzzle. As you will recall from reading the Earthworld comic book, Tor and Tara 
must use the magical objects to get at the hidden sword. These objects will help you as well. Think about what each article could be useful for. You may even want to experiment carrying different combinations from room to room before you embark on serious gameplay. By leaving the right objects in the right rooms, you will receive a clue display. In the center of the clue display is your clue. Pay close attention to each clue as it is your key to solving the puzzle. Frequently, a clue refers back to the comic book. One clue will help you in the next Sword Quest game, Tartridge Fireworld. Scattered about Earthworld are skill and action sequences. In these, you must cross some barrier to reach a room where you can leave or retrieve objects. You must leap from raft to raft to cross the Aquarian Rapids, dodge the spears of Sagittarius and the horns of Taurus, and run through a roaring waterfall in the jungle of Leo. Your reward for successfully meeting a skill and action test is often an object that will work great enchantment for you in the future gameplay. To get out of a skill and action room, press the red button on your controller. The final sequence. When you have performed all the trials and tasks and have done the right things with all 15 objects, you will magically be transported back to the Sword Quest screen. At the bottom of the screen, in place of the copyright notice, in your final, is your final clue. Read the clue, then push the button on your controller. Poof! Now you're in the chamber where the warrior's sword awaits you. Pick it up, it is yours. You are armed and ready to embark upon the next quest, Fireworld. This game uses the joystick controller, uh, if you hadn't picked up on that already. Start the game by pressing the uh, controller button, and you're instantly transported from the first display into a doorway. Press the button again, you're in a zodiac chamber. To pick up treasure, position your cursor over an object and pick uh, and press the red button on your controller. The object will appear on the bottom of the screen and will move with you through the maze until you deliberately leave it somewhere. Once you have six items in your inventory, you must drop one to pick up an additional item. To leave an object in a room, go to the bottom of the screen, position your controller over the object, and press the red button. The object will stay in the room until you retrieve it. Helpful hints. Play the game with paper and pen. Write down every clue and keep a log of every movement and its result for your future reference. Remember that carrying certain objects along helps with gameplay. If you become frustrated trying to do a skill and action sequence, push the red button on your controller and go to another room. Some skill and action sequences may become easier if you wait a while in the room itself before trying to do the task. Just because you use an object to obtain one clue doesn't mean that the same object won't help you in future clues or tasks. Okay, so that is, in broad strokes is how you play Sword Quest. As you can probably tell, this is a game that's less about reading, is only partly about knowing, okay, this is how I pick stuff up. Uh, the bigger thing is actually looking at this game and trying to piece together in your head what you're supposed to be looking for and how to make things fit together. As I noted, uh, the Sword Quest was a series of games and it was not finished. Each game came with a comic book that explained the plot and contained part of the solution to a major puzzle that had to be solved to win the contest. When I was reading the manual, as you could tell, things from the game occasionally refer back to what's in the comic book and vice versa. This contest had a series of prizes on offer whose total value was $150,000. The series had its genesis as a possible sequel to Atari's groundbreaking 1979 game, Adventure, but it kind of, as they got into it, it kind of became its own thing with its own mythology. The comic books at that time were produced by DC Comics, written by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway, drawn and inked by George Perez and Dick uh, Giordano. A special fan club offer was provided allowing those who wanted the game to also get a t-shirt and poster for each game. The games of Sword, the Sword Quest series, along with 
uh, games like Raiders of the Lost Ark were some of the earliest attempts to combine the narrative and logic elements of the adventure game genre with the Twitch gameplay of the action genre. However, the series was unable to hold the last two contests along with the grand finale contest as well as release the final game in the series due to Atari's financial problems leading up to and being a part of the video game crash of 1983. The game does remind me a lot of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, a little bit of... It reminds me a little bit of adventure, but it, I, I get a very strong Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe. Uh, the rooms look very similar. Uh, the inventory setup looks very similar. Um, so I, I definitely see they are two games of a piece. Michael Rideout, who was one of the contest winners, got the Golden Chalice. Actually, I don't know if it's golden, but got a chalice. Uh, that he won in the Fireworld competition and apparently still has it. In 2005, he sent pictures to the gaming website Digital Press, uh, which posted them along with an interview, which he had given to uh, the website Atari headquarters in 1999. In the course of the interview, Rideout mentioned that he had heard the medallion won by Stephen Bell was melted down by a coin dealer for scrap after Bell sold it for $15,000, although he kept the baubles that were part of it, but the white gold sword that he'd uh, also won apparently was stolen. Years after the contest, the remaining three prizes, the crown, the philosopher's stone, and the sword, uh, were assumed to have been in possession of Jack Tremaine, the founder of Commodore International, who purchased the remnants of Atari after the video game crash and his ouster from Commodore. Uh, Atari historian Kurt Vendel, I'm getting all this from Wikipedia, by the way, if you didn't know, he has said that the remaining prizes, which were owned by the Franklin Mint, and on loan to Atari for the Sword Quest contest were not part of the sale of Atari Consumer Division to Jack Tremiele, and ownership of the remaining prizes reverted to the Franklin Mint, which recycled them into other items. That seems more plausible to me. I have a hard time picturing Tremiele late at night going down to his, you know, treasure room, uh, just this room full of, you know, swords of ultimate sorcery and chalices and crowns and things. Um, I like the image, but I have a hard time seeing it. All right, so after the break, we're going on a quest. A sword quest of sorts. Or, you know, I could be mistaken. What should we do today? We could go on a quest. Eh, what kind of quest? Ooh, I know, a toaster oven quest. That's dumb. We need to go on a real quest. Like, uh, a matching sock quest. No. How about a serrated meat carving knife quest? Nah. We could do a safety scissors quest. That's been done too many times. Okay, fine. Let's just do a sword quest. Alright, sounds good. So, I just turned on uh, Sword Quest. The uh, opening screen is a lovely, impressive, multicolored image of the Sword of Ultimate Sorcery. You look at that thing and you think, man, in the early 1980s, Atari was going to give one of these things to like a 10-year-old kid somewhere. The mind reels at that thought. Well, anyway, let's get questing. So there's my dude. I'm in the first room. 
it appears I have items in my inventory already. Something that looks like an arrow, a grappling hook, and either a cobra or a rope. I guess I'm not sure. My you know, mystical, ancient mystical land warrior is dressed kind of like a dweeb in his powder blue shirt and yellow pants. <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm in one of the Zodiac rooms now. It's green. I don't see any Zodiac symbols. Now I'm in a yellow room. Can't go that way. Can I go this way? Now I'm back in that green room. I'm in a red room. Green room. Yellow room. Ooh, purple room. Oh. Okay, now I just push the button. And it, the room's all black. What's going on? Oh, now it's color. Now it's light again. Very confused. Oh. There's a 16 and a 4. And a screen that looks a lot like the transition screen from Turmoil. What's going to happen now? In 1982, this is a pretty good-looking game. Oh. Okay. Now there's a bunch of little red flashy things floating around. I'm very, very confused. When do I find some treasure? circle and uh, okay I just got a circle I guess wait that's only four things I thought you didn't have to drop anything until you had six items I'm very very what's that little curly Q thing I just picked it up whatever it is to get the idea. Back to you in the studio. Okay, so that's Sword Quest. At least a little taste of it. Like I said, th this is not a game. There's not a lot of music, and it's not a, a simple game that lends itself to a, a brief little field report, an audio field report at that. But, you know, hopefully that kind of whets your appetite to go check this out if you're not already familiar with Sword Quest. And if you are, go dig out your old Sword Quest notes uh, from when you were a kid and uh, give it another shot. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued to uh, to uh, 
dig into this game a little bit more, maybe check out Fire World and uh, Water World and kind of see what's up. But first, for now, we got comics to talk about. So after another break, you'll hear my conversation with Chris Sims and Chad Bowers, writers of the new Sword Quest comic. Please do enjoy and join me back here after the interview. If if I'm looking at this right, I think we're all here now. All right, I'm going to breathe. <laughs> I'm going to hang up on this other call that we have going, Will, uh, Bill. So right. here we go. Sounds good. All right, so now it should be the three of us talking to each other. I think so. All right, Chad, do you want yeah, to hear uh, William Pepper accent again? I just said, uh, it's William Pepper as I live and breathe, <laughs> I do declare. Oh, boy, boy, howdy, what a... <laughs> what a what a god dang trial this was all right i it appears that we are recording and we're all here so i think we can actually talk about sword quest finally so um let's well, thanks, do it bill it, thanks, what's sword quest well, oh, oh you know it's this thing i heard about it's uh it's a comic book or a game or something i, I don't know uh we can talk about it if you want so um it's a lifestyle it, it, it will be very soon uh, once once uh, people get this in their hands. I have no doubt about that. Um, well, thanks guys uh, for talking to me today. Of course, you guys are are well known in the comics world. You've worked on a number of well known things: X Men, Guardians, and now you're working on Sword Quest. So I thought we'd just take a few minutes here to talk about that a little bit. Um, but before we do that, I understand congratulations are in order. Uh, Chad, you're you're about to become a proud uh, new house owner, if I'm right. Is that right? <laughs> it's it's complicated. I mean, we're moving <laughs> out of our our house. We've been okay. trying to sell our house for a little while. Um, and we, yeah, yeah. So we we just don't have a, a house that we're that we're moving into yet. We're moving in with my mother-in-law for uh, probably about three months. Um, I, I, I'm, let I'm terribly sorry. The, with the sale and you know all the repairs and stuff that we did and all that good stuff. I, I, I that will be an adventure, a, a, a sword quest level <laughs> adventure, I'm sure. So um, it's a house yeah. quest. It's it, a house is. Quest. it is. Uh, and Chris, and, and you're about to uh, uh, make an acquisition of your own soon. Uh, you're going to be married, as I understand it, right? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I would phrase it like that, Bill. <laughs> that may not be the way you want to put that. I guess actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've actually got. Um, I've got a, we got a Sword Quest this week, uh, uh, Deadpool is, I think, in, in two weeks, and then right after Deadpool is, uh, is my wedding, so. Wow. It's, it's, there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of, a lot of comic book happenings around that wedding. In, in order of priority. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I've been telling people, uh, for, you know, first Saturday in May is free comic book day, so I'm signing. Second Saturday in May, Chad and I are gonna be at, uh, Tidewater Con in Virginia Beach. <laughs> And third Saturday, may I get married? So it's a it's a good it's a good run, I think. <laughs> now, Bill, great. yes, sir. If, if you could piece if you could piece this together, yes, sir. I'm a guy who's moving right. somewhere in the middle of that. <laughs> so it's like, wow, I gotta yeah. figure out where I'm gonna. We still like, gotta write yeah. these comics together, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah and you've got, got this little, this little issue of having to write uh, some comic books too. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. Um, well, this is, of course, Atari Bytes is, of course, an Atari podcast, so I feel like I, I'm compelled to begin this conversation by asking you the critical question, of course, being, uh, have you, Chris or Chad, played Atari today? 
Uh, I haven't played it today, but I mean, I could I could play it right now if you wanted me to. Uh, I don't I don't know if you do, but I could. Yeah. So well, oh, yeah. that leads me to my next question. Are are you are you Atari guys in general? I mean, aside from your job right now, uh, I mean, do do you do you have an Atari system sitting around the house there somewhere, or an emulator, or whatever? So um, I almost. Because uh, here's the here's the weird thing about uh, doing Sword Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad and I had neither one of us had heard of it before uh, Dynamite asked us to pitch um, for the Atari line that they're going to do. Okay. And I mean, obviously, you know, like we were familiar with a lot of the games on the list, but we, like, weirdly enough, we kind of had first choice of huh. everything. So we we knew Yar's Revenge and Missile Command and Pong sure. and. Like a, uh, a lot of the stuff that we we had the opportunity to pitch, mm-hmm. but um, Sword Quest was completely new. And then ever since we got the job, like Chad, did you know you can buy Sword Quest in Target right now? The game? Yeah. Like like a card. There's a uh, there, there's a um, Atari collection uh-huh. for like PlayStation and Xbox. Oh yeah. Well, that, and, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time I see, and like Sword Quest made it to volume one. Of what? that, wow! There's like there's like ten or fifteen games on it, and one of them Sword Quest. And every time I see it, I'm like, I'm like, I should get it, right? Like, I obviously, <laughs> it seems like you should. It, you know, and don't yeah. feel don't feel bad because until I started doing this podcast uh, a year or so ago, I'd never heard of Sword Quest either. So, um, okay, well that makes me feel better. You know, and I was a kid when Atari was a thing, was a big deal. And this whole series of games and the the contest and all that that all went right by me. So at the time, what so so you kind of had your pick. What, what why Sword Quest then? Uh, I mean, Chad, do you want to take this one? Well, I mean, we had yeah, we had gosh, Chris, how many were on that list? I mean, it was like sixty it was three, games or something like that. It was like, like three pages single spaced. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was a lot of games. Okay, and uh, and you know, I'd been talking to some guys over at Dynamite about doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Kettner reached out to uh, to me, uh, editor Kevin Kettner reached out to me and Chris about maybe trying to do some stuff uh, with this with this Atari line that they were thinking about doing. And we talked about it, and they sent over that list. And gosh, like I said, there were tons of games on there. And uh, we pitched what? We pitched three, didn't we, Chris? Like at first, we, we pitched three titles. We pitched three that we had like full on. Like, like ready to start form, writing yeah. pitches, like full on concepts. Okay, but and as we were going through it, we we like, I, I think we both kind of sat there and wrote down, and the list was in alphabetical order. So like, I think the first thing on there was adventure. Yeah, and yeah. we started talking about like, oh, maybe we could, you know, adventure would be pretty easy to adapt. We'd been wanting to do a fantasy book for a while, sure, and then we just kind of worked our way down the list. And uh, by the time we got to Yara's Revenge, we had like five or six written down. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think the first, I think what we pitched were and I you know I guess it's fine to talk about what we pitched but we pitched uh, you know um, Night Driver uh, huh. Pong and uh, and Chris and I kind of independently came to Sword Quest uh, both of us with very different ideas about what we wanted to do um, okay. and and you know to Chris's credit like he really really went after the uh, the the fantasy aspect of the comics and stuff like that and really really had like some really good ideas about working some some clues and some games and some actual puzzles into the actual comics. Um, sort of a modern update of what, what they did with the uh, the pack-in books that came uh, with, the, with the Sword Quest game. 
But as we started like thinking about it and the opportunity to like really kind of, I think, set the tone for what these Atari comics could be, it, it felt like the thing to do was probably not do like a straight fantasy comic right out of the gate sure. and to do something that showed what you could kind of do with, um, you know, what you could do with a property that doesn't really, that's not really beholden to a game. You know what I mean? Right. It's a name. It's inspired by the game, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the game in comics form. Okay. And that kind of led, you know, that kind of led us to come up with uh, what we're doing with Sorquest. Yeah. What do you like? What are the opportunities when you're working with a property that hasn't been seen in any form since 1983 and yeah. never finished? Right. You know? Right. So. Right. And uh, then we found out about the uh, like the real life story behind the contest and everything, and then that was that was it. You know, like that was. We were like, oh, this is too good to not play with. Sure. It was it was really when we found out about Michael Rideout, I think, that we uh that we kinda <laughs> that, that kinda hooked us because Michael Rideout is a dude who uh it, who won uh Fireworld, I think. And he's from Aiken, South Carolina, which is literally like thirty miles, you know, west of uh of me. And okay. it was man, like I could drive to that guy's house and yeah. talk to him about this. And so we have not talked to Michael Rideout, and I actually don't think he lives in Aiken anymore. <laughs> but uh, but 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 the prompt, you know, the idea that there were so many little pieces that kind of touched on things that Chris and I were really interested already. Yeah, well, uh, and there was that, and there was Roy too. Uh, yeah, Roy Roy Thomas, who's a you know, yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Well, you know, Roy is a. It's a, a long, like a, a huge name in comics. He was the second editor-in-chief of Marvel after Stan Lee. He's written everything. Yeah, uh, he's written yeah. for DC and Marvel and, and you know, uh, co-created the Vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's the guy who told him to put a Canadian uh, mutant in a Hulk book <laughs> and, uh, and told Len Wayne to go make up Wolverine. Okay. Uh, and he is also a guy who lives in South Carolina and... Uh, used to, you know, used to shop at the store where Chad and I both worked. Uh, and so we like, we like work, we know Roy, you know, Chad, you wow. saw him this weekend. Yeah, I, I saw him. I, uh, you know, yeah. When, when's this going to go live? Uh, uh, uh Bill? This is going to go out, uh, probably on Sunday. Okay. So I don't feel bad saying that I actually gave him a copy because I gave him a cop copy <laughs> that, uh, that we had prior to release date. I figure if anybody gets a comp copy that's not in my immediate family, it probably should be Roy Thomas. Um, I would have so, charged him. <laughs> I would have charged him. It's a quarter. So, He's got vision money, Chad. Come on. He, he also go. signed a, like a Europe. He also signed a European Star Wars comic for me, which was pretty cool. Nice. But um, uh, but yeah. So uh, anyway, he 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 took it, and I actually had a really nice conversation with him uh, about. Uh, those those early days of uh, working on the Atari comics, which is pretty cool. Sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, but so, but yeah, Roy was one of the connections that we had. Uh, and, you know, Chris and I are big fans of, like DC Comics anyway. So I sure. think yeah. So I think especially like having that '80s connection to DC Comics, where you've got literally like George Perez and Romeo Tangal, Dick Giordano, and guys like that working on those books. Um, it, it was cool to kind of like imagine yourself. Working in that same kind of that 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 same kind of uh, it, you know, adding to that legacy, I guess. Yeah. So it this sounds is, like this is the second comic that Roy wrote that we uh that we picked up later. The first thing <laughs> X Men. <laughs> nice. That's true. Nice. Um, so it sounds like they pretty much let you do whatever you wanted to do. Um, I, I would have thought, yeah. you know, obviously, famously, 
Um, Sword Quest was supposed to be a series of four games, and there was a comic that went with each game originally, and, and it was never finished. So I guess my first thought when I heard way back when that there was Sword Quest was going to be a thing again was, oh, they're going to finish the story. Um, I mean, w was that ever part of the discussion, or was it really just, we want to do a new thing with this? Uh, I think the, the, the idea that I came up with would have been like that... It would have had the, the two twins in it. Uh, it would have had, you know, like the puzzles. It just wouldn't have had a game to go sure. along with it. Sure. But at the end of the day, like we thought that the – as much as we liked those, those you know, pack-in comics, those mini comics, and, and as much as we kind of went back to them and you're going to see uh, – and I think you read the uh, – you've already read the Zero issue, Bill. Yeah, I did. So you're going to – you know, people are going to see some of the influence in there. Absolutely. Uh like we kind of realized that the more interesting thing, because it is a very standard superhero story. Like we, like, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. We spent a good, like, half hour the other day just talking about these characters' names and how there's a king named Rulo, and how there's a, a tyrant named Tyrannus and a wizard named Conjuro. Like, it's all kind of like, it's fun, but it's like really standard superhero or a fantasy story. Right. right. And so what we like what we realized was more interesting was that contest and how the contest never ended and and how there were like this is a story where you were really on a quest for the same magic item that you were looking for in the video game which is like a thing that never happens you know well, well that is the remarkable <laughs> thing they they wanted to give away a sword for for crying out loud that 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 is a pretty uh, <laughs> it, it's it's an amazing amazing thing um yeah, and that I, that blew my mind too. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's astounding to like looking at it from today's point of view. Yeah, one that you're going to give a kid a sword, <laughs> uh, potentially. Right, but but yeah, I mean the idea the idea that like that that's a true prize, like a real prize. It's, it's like if you were really good at playing Call of Duty, and and so the best Call of Duty player in the world had to join the army. Yeah, I know <laughs> exactly. Um, it, well, or at the I very think... least, got to shoot a gun, like yeah, a laser no. gun. Yeah. When I picked up the issue, I, I going into this, I kind of guessed, well, okay, it's it's going to be uh, uh, the book's going to be about a kid playing Atari, and he has an adventure, maybe that kind of thing. I was astounded when I saw no, our hero is a forty-five-year-old dude um, who you know remembers Atari from when he was a kid. The, the hero basically is me. Right. <laughs> now, yeah, now you got to buy it, right, Bill? No matter, no matter what. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no I'm locked in now. Can, so, can, uh, we use it, can we use that on the uh, the, the, <laughs> the the hardcover? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go for it. Um, so I thought that was just a, a really nice approach um, to to approach it this way. And of course, I don't know what's going to happen uh, in the future. Any any uh, any uh, spoilers you'd like to give us? Uh, I'm happy to to record those here. So. Um, <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. We saw yeah. the uh, you you are lucky to have had us today, Bill, because we just saw the uh, art for number one. Uh, oh, really? Like we just today got uh, the art back on on the first issue, and we've written yeah. it to uh, number two. Okay. Uh, and uh, like, I mean, it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that's a character good. that's like is one of our main characters. I think uh, I don't even think he's got his like profile shot in there, but it's a, Not a guy in a zero. named Zero. Yeah, yeah, it's a guy named Terry Kimura, and he's been in the pitch right. since the start. 
but he's okay. changed a little bit. And man, yeah. when he walks on the page in number one, it's <laughs> it is a it is a treat for the eyes. Let me tell you, it's really great. Um, wait, let, let's take, just take a minute, I guess, to talk about that a little bit. Um, obviously, you, you're you're writing the the story. Uh, there's an artist uh, giving giving uh, life to your to your words. Uh, putting it on the page in, in visual form. It, what's that process like? What's the, kind of that back and forth? Th- this is an artist you've worked with before, I, I assume. Yeah, this is uh, Ghost Trader X. He was the artist on our actually our first graphic novel, um, Downset Fight from Oni, which is a kind of a in the way that Sword Quest is going to end up being a weird fantasy story. It was kind of a weird sports story, uh, yeah. and we really loved working with him. So I'm super like genuinely stoked that we we have him back. So yeah, it's funny you you kind of touched on it too, Chris. With like, with uh, with Downset Fight, this is I like to think this book, and I couldn't think of a better person to work with on it because it is such a thematic sequel uh, in a lot of ways to Downset Fight. Uh, and, and like you said, the way it's a, the way that's a sports comic, this is kind of a just kind of a weird sports, weird sort of like game comic too, which which I'm which I'm very happy with. Weirdly enough, they're both kind of stories about guys who didn't have the childhoods they wanted. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking too. Like, which is like, I'm just now realizing that's kind of a theme in our work. I was gonna, do, yeah, do we need to talk about that for a yeah. minute? Or? But yeah, like we've uh, we've worked with uh, with the ghost before, and and okay. we we worked with them before. And uh, if you read Downset Fight, uh, which you should, it is available on Amazon right now and at finer comic book stores everywhere and digitally on comicsology.com. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I think it's pages two and three are this big double page spread. And, uh, you know, we had written the script and we had seen his artwork before and, and loved it. Like, I think I actually uh, wrote a piece about like a spotlight piece about him on Comics Alliance before we were working together. Um, and like down in the corner driving by the arena is like the bandits Trans Am from uh, from Smokey and the Bandit, okay. which is a movie that, like Chad and I. Like that, I mean, it, it might as well be the Bible, as far as we're concerned. <laughs> All right. And we didn't even ask him to put that in there. And like we saw it, and we were like, oh, man, this is a bandit. And then uh, he, he hit us back, and he was like, wow, I didn't think you guys would notice. And we were like, well, you did not know who you were working with. Until <laughs> um, That's awesome. It's honestly, like, so a, a lot of the visual storytelling, like, we, we write – I mean, we've been writing full scripts, right, Chad? But um, – like yeah, I mean, come from come from him. Yeah, there were like four, five things today. I was I was looking through the uh, the the black and white art that we got back today for number one, and there's so many nice little like Easter eggs and like visual touches that even though like we kind of hit at them in the script, sure. we certainly don't we don't like zero in on them. And and there's such a beautiful opening to that first issue, mm-hmm. and um, you know we had written it very very, I think I think we'd kind of suggested just like a big splash image of the sword on the first uh the first page and you know we had a lot of like visual cues in the room where the sword is but the way the way ghost goes in and like really you know uh zooms in on those pieces just really makes that story great i think i think he's doing some of the best storytelling of his his career really i think he's he's really stepped it up i think maybe it was phenomenal to begin with but oh oh, yeah he's like super like I love this stuff on Downset Five, but I think this is yeah. like next level amazing. Wow! Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Chad, Chad's not kidding. We wrote um, the first page of Sword Quest Number One mm-hmm. uh, as a full page splash, um, okay. and it's just going to be like on like a big image of the sword, and then 
you you kind of find out where it is uh, later on, like on page two. And Ghost hit us back on email, and he was like, "Hey, is it okay if I uh, do a like highly detailed nine panel grid instead?" And we were like, "Yeah, man, do what you want." <laughs> I'm glad he I'm glad he did because it's that's it's awesome. beautiful. Well, yeah, yeah that's awesome. which which really freed us up because um, you know I'm always worried about like. Uh, clarity, like, you know, the, like the most important thing about a comic is if you can read it, right? Like, so I'm always worried about clarity and putting too much on the page and like the artist getting mad because I'm asking him to draw too much stupid stuff. But like, uh, when we saw what he was doing with number zero and number one, like our, our number two is buck wild, you know, like, yeah. it's, it's, there's a 14 panel page on there and we're like, yeah, he can do it. Like we know he can do it. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, the whole process has been really great. What about like, um, like the look of the characters? How much is that? How much is that of that is you guys, and how much is uh, his interpretation of, of who these people are? You know, what they look like, how oh, tall I, they are. You know. Oh, I'd say that's probably like, yeah, ninety percent him, ten percent us. We might give like, you know, ages and ethnicity, ethnicity excuse me, ethnicities. Okay. And uh, and just some general like you know descriptions of what we think they look like, but I think at the end of the day, you know, th- those characters are, are are all him for the most part. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, like I think with Peter, literally all we told him was, you know, he's Peter Case. He's he's uh, forty five. He's kind of you know kind of run down, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then all we told him for Alvin and Amy were like, uh, you know, like their their. Uh, Latinx, they're, you know, uh, twins, the same age as Peter. And, like, he did all the designs based on that. Like, it's funny because he – I think uh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some some secrets behind the scenes here, Bill. All right. Uh, like, I'm ready. He, his first design for Peter, uh, he was like, yeah, I kind of wanted to draw him as Will Ferrell. <laughs> so, like, he kind of like, wanted to be, like, that kind of, like, you know, like – Almost, uh, almost like a Will Ferrell and Step Brothers type character, where he would be kind of like a you know mid to late forties kind of like lovable loser type. And then he came back and he was like, you know, we were like, yeah, man, go for it. And then it turned out that like that was a little too funny, right? Because I mean, you've read number zero, you know, Peter, Peter's going through some stuff. Peter's not a funny guy. Uh, He's got some funny lines, but he's definitely not uh, going through some funny stuff. Uh, which uh, is like, which is funny because I think we've got some some comedy in the book, just not in that zero issue. <laughs> right, right. So, how about between the two of you, as far as writing the scripts, what's sort of the division of labor there? Uh, is do you each take a character? Do, do you each take a, a storyline? How do you break that down? No, I mean, I think we kind of split the difference. Uh, we 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 both kind of, you know, I, I I it's it changes with the project, honestly. Okay. Um, I really like the plot. Uh, Chris enjoys dialogue, but when I say that, everybody always assumes that I do the plot and Chris does the dialogue, and it's not really yeah, which like is that. not how it is at all. <laughs> but um, you know, I I think I think with number one, um, I might have like laid out a, a, like a real loose plot, and I think Chris went in and sort of broke that plot down into to pages, and then we kind of both went back through and scripted, and and then I, and I forget exactly how number two, number one worked. I mean, it it, it really does vary, but. It's a pretty even division of labor, especially on this project, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, usually we go through, like, you know, Chad will come up with the, the core idea of the plot. And, and like I said, we came at SwordQuest two completely different ways. 
And what you're seeing is, is really close to what uh, Chad brought to the table on that when we were kind of having a discussion about what we wanted to do. So, um, you know, Chad kind of came up with the core of the plot, and then we really just talked it out. And and I made some suggestions on stuff that I wanted to see, you know. And, and it's funny because we will we'll both, like, we've been working together so long, we'll forget what we have and haven't talked about. Right. And so, like, we'll have to, we've had to have conversations a couple times over the past few weeks where it's like, okay, tell me how you want this issue to end. <laughs> because I don't think we've actually talked about it. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, it's, we really just kind of, like, sit down with each other and, uh, and go through it page by page. And a lot of times, like, I, you know, I don't uh, currently have, like, a day job. So I'll do a lot of, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, we're also working on Army of Darkness from Dynamite. And oh, wow. okay. on that one, just because I had a lot of free time and, and Chad was doing this house stuff. You know, I'm just getting married. That's, that's, that's a big thing. <laughs> that's all. But I had a lot of time. You got nothing so but I did, time. Like, a yeah. lot of, uh, I did a lot of the, like, actual scripting work on that issue. And then we kind of went through it together and, and punched it up and, and, you know, we, we always, you know, we're, we're each other's first audience on most stuff. And, and we just kind of go through it and say like, okay, well, if I'm a reader, does this line make sense to me? Yeah. You know, yeah. If I don't have you explain to me what you want to do in this scene, does this make sense? If, uh, you know, like as a, you know, as a reader, do you think we need to open with this scene? Do you think we need to kick that back to the end of the book? And I'll, and I'll tell you, Bill, like, uh, sword quest number one was the hardest issue we've had to write in a long time. I, I think, like, since... Uh, well, it's... I think we really didn't know what it was yet. That's the sure. biggest thing. When you when you start something like that, you know... I mean, like, anything that you work on, like... Uh, I mean, like, like take the a Guardians book or, like, uh, the, the Marvel stuff that we've done. I mean, everybody knows who those characters are. You're not building something from the ground up. You know, Sword Quest was literally the first Atari comic in 30 years. It had brand new characters in it. It had a, a, a you know... Uh, it's based off a game that not a lot of people know. So I'll, there was a lot of stuff to try to figure out and, and, and work on the, you know, genuinely just kind of selling the idea in that first issue. And that's hard to do. That's a, that's a hard thing to do and to figure out kind of, you know, to make sure you're hitting all the points that you want to hit. Um, yeah. And, and we also had the problem, of, uh, not, not problem because I think it's, it's going to work out fine. It's a know, challenge, but we had, uh, we had a zero issue. And the Zero Issue is 25 cents. It's out right now uh, in your local comic book store. Uh, you can head in there and pick it up. It's only a quarter. So you, if, if you like listening to us, give it a shot. You you lose almost nothing. At most 25 cents. That's right. Yeah. At most 25 cents, and you still got a comic, and you got to, to see these two guys uh, not put their money where their mouth is. How about that? Beautiful art. Uh, Let's just say that. across Beautiful the art. Yeah, you'll you'll love the art. Right. Exactly. Else. But, you know, we have this we have this zero issue, which is is meant to function as the first chapter. Like, that's where the story starts. It's not even it's not even really like a prelude. Like, it's where the story starts. Yeah, it picks up. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. it feels like a OK, we, we're on our way now. So, yeah. yeah. But when you have a number one, like and and our next issue is, is Sword Quest number one. Yep. Like there's a certain expectation that a book with the number one on the cover needs to be able to introduce people to the concept, needs to be able to like function as uh, as a first issue, as a first issue. So yeah. we had to write a first issue twice without repeating ourselves. And that was really hard. Uh, and so, I mean, the, sol the solution that we kind of hit on was that uh, uh, number zero is your introduction to Peter. Uh, and his situation. Number one 
introduces our other three main characters. Okay. And we kind of had to figure out how to do that. Like, like, because the story follows Peter. So we have to go through the interactions with uh, Peter and Amy and Peter and Alvin and then Terry coming in at the end. Like, we we had a really hard time with that. And it's not, like, again, like a lot of stuff we write. Um, I mean, X-Men 92, I think, was fun. It, it was a... Uh, it was a relative, like we treated it like it was the only X-Men book coming out. Like we didn't treat it like it was anything but the X-Men, but it's still funny. You know, it's still like got a lot of jokes in it and it's got that retro style. Sword Quest is, <laughs> for being Sword Quest, it's kind of a weirdly serious story. Sure. And so trying to figure out how to do that emotion in the script in a way that's going to be as good as it is in that art. Cause we know, we know ghost can handle it. You know, right. it's all on us. It's all the pressure is on us. You're trying not to let him down. So, right. Exactly. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know that whatever we give him, it's going it, to, he's going to make it work on his end. So, but like, you know, it's the dialogue, it's the pacing, it's all that stuff that, that you get from a, a comic book script. That's really tough. So uh, how long? I just made it sound like we have the hard job. We have the easiest job on the <laughs> I, I, I Look, that doesn't go unnoticed. That's right. That's right. So uh, how many issues do you have to tell your story? Do, do you know at this point that you've got this many issues or, or, or not? Sword Quest is currently the first, uh, the first story, mm-hmm. uh, Peter and, and Alvin and Amy's story, is scheduled for five issues. Okay. Uh, but in, in in theory, like this is just the first act of their story. Like sure. they, there is more that we have planned. Uh, there's more that we pitched. Uh, Dynamite and Atari both know what we want to do with it. If we can can go on a little longer. Okay. Um, the the question is just whether you know wh- whether it will will have the the chance to do that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's the potential for for a long, a long uh, epic uh, story that we're, we're undertaking here. So, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say the epic story of our times. <laughs> and that well, should go on the cover things... somewhere too. So, um, so obviously you're you're not uh, picking up the the story of, of the original games per se. But have you given any thought to what uh, you know? What Airworld maybe should have been? What that fourth comic book or fourth game should have been? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have any theories that you would like to share? Or uh... Uh, Chad, can I can I can I drop a spoiler on? Yeah, a, yeah a do it. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, the plot and and events of the Airworld comic are going to play a role in this book. I was really hoping you were going to say something like that, but uh, yeah. So, so I'm I'm intrigued now. So, and that's the thing about that's the thing about this book yeah. is that so much of the stuff. I mean, you know, again, Chris and I spent what five minutes a minute ago talking about how hard, how hard our job is on this book, but at the same time, so much of the cool stuff about Sword Quest is really low hanging fruit. You know what I mean? It's like sure. it's like, oh man, what was that fourth comic going to be like? What was that game going to be like? How, right. how many people out there really wish they could have won that sword and had like thought about it for years? You know, like all these things are are not fantastical ideas. So much of it's right there in front of you, which is what makes this book so much so much fun. Absolutely. Now, of course, uh, so we've got issue zero is out right now. 
Uh, people can go pick that up for a quarter as we speak. Uh, issue one comes out in June. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you had pitched some other uh, some other comics, and we know uh, we know Centipede is coming out uh, this summer too. Um, yeah, it's any... good. Have you have you seen it? I, I've just I've just seen it and read some of the concept stuff. I know I know okay. who's working on it, and we have the same uh, same editorial team. Okay, I believe, and uh, we've heard some things from uh, Kevin uh, about what's going to be in the uh, in the issues, and it just sounds really cool. Yeah, so obviously you've got a lot in your plate right now uh, with SwordQuest, but if you if there was another game or another comic that you could pick up in the Atari world, what would it be? Uh, I actually emailed Kevin the other day, and I was like, hey, man, that Pong idea we said, I really want to do it. I, yeah. I did want to come back to that. Pong? Really? You, you pitched yeah, Pong? I figured it out. I like, I, and I called Chad. I was so excited. I was like, Chad, I have figured out how to do Pong. Well, I'm not going to ask you to. I'm not going to ask you to spoil it for us, but but I, I I'm just saying that I really hope that you can make that happen because I I'm curious what that would be. Uh, so. Kevin Kevin actually told me he's like he's like hey when we go to conventions and people ask us about uh, the Atari line, uh, they ask us like I tell them like hey we actually got a pitch for Pong that would work. <laughs> yeah. And and so like he wants to do it. I think the the question is just. I, I don't know why they picked Sword Quest, <laughs> but I'm glad they did. Like, because I think we I think we had three genuinely strong concepts. Like any one of them, we could have we we could have had a really great time with. Um, but like I I feel like I think both of us were really surprised when it was Sword Quest because it's it's the the one that has where we were like we were literally like. This is going to be a book about how it, about the video game crash, and this is going to be a book about how the you know the contest never finished and yeah. Atari never delivered this last game. Yeah, and they're not going to let us do that. But, but I, they, I genuinely think though, I do. I I don't think I'm a, I was as surprised as you were. I was very surprised. Yeah, but I'm mean, probably like Joe Cool over here. You know, I'm saying no, I'm, no. I I think that it, if if you're launching a line of comics that are based around a video game system that I would say a large part of your audience may not have ever played that going about as far away from the concept is, is not a bad idea. You know what I mean? Like, like making them real comics that are inspired by the game, not tied to the game, I think is a, is a really good way to go. And I, think that, I think you're right. I think that's, I think that's what made sword quest stand out of all the pitches that we, uh, that we sent in. Well, and the video game crash is part of the mystique of Atari. I mean, that's right. People exactly. Remember, they went from being a company that was going to give away a sword to not finishing the series, and that that's intriguing yeah. to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there's a, there's a lot of storytelling potential there, so um, it makes sense to me. Um, all right. Yeah, but, uh, and, and I should say, I should yeah. say, um, Atari has been nothing but supportive. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Sure. That's Maybe great, in a great. way that's been kind of surprising, even. Like, they've uh, – Atari and Dynamite both have been incredibly supportive. Um, you know, the, the thing that Chad and I have been telling people is that we are treating this like it's a creator-owned book. Like, it's okay. it's ours. Uh, and because we have – we've had no, like, direction. We've had no, like, don't do this. We just, like, get – like, like we just send in the script and like, yeah, this is great. Good job, guys. Okay, Which is the best way to go about things. Yeah, that's and every creator's funny, dream, right? as, 
Yeah, it really is. And and as the story goes, I think there's going to be stuff that kind of pops up that that I think people will be genuinely surprised to see in an Atari comic. And some stuff that I think Chris Chris and I kind of like, you know, put in there, fully expecting to have to go back in and take out or rewrite or or rework. And nope, none of that. That's great. They're super supportive. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your evening. I know you guys are busy. Uh, any other uh, projects you'd like to tell people about? I think uh, things we can look forward to uh, in the future, near future for um, you guys. We've we've got we've got a lot of stuff. We've got like Chris said, uh, we got his wedding. Uh, we've got, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we know we, 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 we've got Deadpool uh, Bad Blood, which is out what um, May seventeenth. May seventeenth. And uh, and then we've got Army of Darkness, uh, our, our other Dynamite book. Uh, which will be out in June. Um, uh, and the, I'm, I'm, there's a zero issue on that one too. Yeah, that's, uh, okay. that's 99 cents. So 99 cents, yeah. if you've got a buck 24, you can get 32 pages and try out you in luck. You can't from, afford uh, not to for for that. That's like a Mar- that's like a Marvel comic from the 90s. It is. <laughs> it I'm, is. I'm going I'm going out right now. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you can get uh, you can get the third part of uh, Rise of the Midnight Suns, <laughs> or you can get uh, our, our books. Terry, that's great. And uh, yeah, so you know, and Christmas, I got uh, we've got other stuff that we're working on. Um, you know, I've got I've got what Youngblood's out. Uh, Youngblood's out now. Um, Chris's uh, what third issue of uh, Radical Guardians Cater X is on uh, Comicsology. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so we've got we've got a ton of stuff that's going on. I was gonna say, and, is, uh, is is that all, guys? I mean, really, you, you guys need to uh, get some stuff out there. So. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm actually working on a bunch of other stuff too. So yeah, uh, that's great. No, Chad and I are, are are trying to keep busy. Um, Good. You know, also uh, X Men '92 is is uh, just came out in uh, paperback. Uh, the entire series. Uh, there's in in the way of comics. And if you've got a lot of like uh, like retro gaming fans on the show, Bill, uh, probably almost like, exclusively comics. Yeah, <laughs> com- comics are are so weird. Not only do we have like a zero issue of our story, we had a volume zero of our yeah. like in paperback. <laughs> so there's three volumes of X Men '92. There's volume zero, volume one, and volume two. Uh, okay. And and volume zero takes place in a slightly different continuity. Wow. <laughs> But uh, okay. if you if you like the X Men and you you kind of like if you want to see some new adventures with that that '90s team, the uh, kind of classic team that you would have seen on the cartoon and in the comics back in the early '90s, uh, give X Men '92 a read because uh, it's a really fun book that we also worked with some amazing uh, artists on. Um, yeah. Scott uh, Scott Koblish, uh, Alti Fermantia, Matt Miller, Travis Lennon with the letters, New Hampshire. And, oh, and you know, got, got, sorry, I was just thinking we got a Guardians of the Galaxy annual that's out in June. Yeah, yeah. We got a Guardians. Wow. Of the Galaxy. It's a it's a tie into Secret Empire, but it takes place out in space, which is okay. fun because the last Guardian story we did uh, took place entirely on Earth, yeah. which was ah. really weird. In San Diego. In San Diego. Yeah. 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 All right. So now we're getting to we got to do some really cool, really cosmic Marvel stuff. So if you like, yeah, it's uh, a blast. If you like the Guardians in the movies and what they get up to, then. Uh, it's a it's a tie into the big Secret Empire event, but honestly, it, it I think it stands on its own pretty well as an annual for the Guardians. So, okay. whether you're reading Secret Empire or not, I think uh, give it a try. It's really it's really good. Yeah, I don't think you have to like 
pick up Secret Empire to get get the gist of what's going on in our book. Yeah. Also, okay. beautiful art from oh my gosh, uh, Danilo Beirut and uh, uh, Tamara Bonvillain doing the yeah. colors on that. Danilo's definitely got to watch too. Uh, if 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 uh, if you any of your listeners are like super into like picking up uh, on guys and kind of tracking their careers, I think he's going to be huge. Yeah, well, I, I, was just, uh, I was just reading. Um, he did some stuff on Gwenpool, and I was just uh-huh. reading it the other night, and it's amazing. Like he's another one of those those guys that's like done a huge level up in like a year, mm-hmm. where his earlier stuff, like the stuff from last year, looks great, but like you would not believe the weird stuff we asked him to draw and how beautiful it is in this Guardians book. And yeah, Jack yeah, it's just like one of the best colorists around. So that's yet another example of uh, of us just throwing a bunch of crap on the page and being like, hey, I hope this guy can draw it, <laughs> and like and him, and him making us look like geniuses. Yeah, and you lucked out. Yeah. You lucked out. That's I know, great. we always do. We always do. Like, everybody we we've worked with has been genuine. Like, and, and this is, I mean, this is the thing that, like, a lot of comics people say, they're not jerks. But, like, literally everyone we've worked with on all of these books is an incredible talent. Like, going back to when we were doing, like, webcomics and, and, like, self-published stuff, like, it's, they're all amazing. And they make our stuff look, um, like, fantastic. And it's a pleasure and a joy to write knowing that, that that's what your book is going to look like. Oh, yeah. You're working with such talented people. It's it's literally the best part of making comics. Yeah. It, yeah. Sure. Get, you getting art in the inbox never gets old. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Well, if you worked with good people, it raises your game, too. So... Um, we hope. <laughs> you hope. We all hope. You, you, would, you, would, you would think that would be the way. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, well... And Chad, Oh, and we should say, like, uh, since we're on the subject of talking about collaborators, it is the entire team back from uh, Downset Fight. So it's me and Chad, Ghostwriter X, and uh, Josh Croft. Josh Croft, yeah. yeah. A long time. Throwing some letters on the page, yep. Nice. Nice. You've got uh, Jim Toe on Youngblood, Chad. Yep, Jim Toe's, uh, oh, man, talking about guys that are going to be huge. Um, Jim's phenomenal. So, yeah, keep your your eyes on uh, old uh, Big Show Jim Toe over there on Youngblood. Watch us! Watch us as we just strap ourselves to other people's coattails. <laughs> Whatever works. Whatever works. Well, guys, um, I thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. It's been a lot of fun. This uh, episode is going to drop on uh, Sunday. This coming Sunday, um, and I'm encouraging everybody to pick up uh, issue zero and then issue one next month when it comes out. And I look forward to see what you guys come up with. So, uh, Chad Bowers and Chris Sims, thanks for talking to me tonight. Thanks, Bill. This, Thank has you. Been a, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, Bill. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. We, we, we enjoyed it. And that's our show. A huge thanks to uh, Chris and Chad for inexplicably, when I reached out to them on social media, agreeing to take time out of their busy lives to talk to me, uh, despite I'm certain having no idea who the hell I was. Uh, They could not have been more gracious and fun to talk to. So big thanks to them. Go check out their SwordQuest comics. Go check out their other comics, too. Because these are funny, creative, 
uh, enthusiastic guys, and I have no doubt that you'll enjoy any or all of, uh, of their work. Thanks also to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can email Atari Bytes at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can find show notes, other episodes, and links at ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can also find the show on Stitcher, Google Play Music, uh, iHeartRadio, and, of course, iTunes. When the option is offered, like on iTunes, do please leave a review. Reviews, like Ultimate Swords of Sorcery, are elusive. Just think of iTunes as the fifth world. Earth, fire, water, air, iTunes. Get to work on that, Atari. You can like the show on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or you can follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And you can also help support the show financially on our Patreon page. And by shopping at our Zazzle.com store, capital A, capital B, underscore pod, underscore store, where you will find cool, cool merchandise like our Go Play Some Old Games, They've Missed You t-shirts and mugs. And I would also remind you to please consider checking out my other podcast, It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Your source for everything Peanuts. A new episode drops on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes, Super Breakout. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.